waiting for the, I was waiting for the signal from my wife that it was time to speak, and that's not the first time I've waited. That might be the first time I've gotten it right, but uh, I'm glad that you're here today. uh, Welcome to First United Methodist Church Gadsden. If you're worshiping with us from um, somewhere else online, hello to you. We're glad that you're worshiping with us online today. Say hello to us from wherever you are so uh, that we'll know who's with us today, and we're glad that you're here. I want to encourage you to go to our website, fumcgadsden.org. There's an eight-page, beautiful, colorful layout uh, of our um, bulletin, I mean, of our uh, newsletter, and it tells everything that we're going to do. I'll just highlight a couple of things for you today. One is uh, a workshop called Over, Under, Around, and Through. It is about navigating loss through uh, on special days. It gives you tools on how to cope with with changes and loss in your life, not just the loss of a loved one, but any kind of changes that are going on. It's hard. It's hard. And this workshop is designed to help us navigate through that. It is going to be on two consecutive Thursdays. It's going to be Thursday, February 9th and Thursday, February 16th at 6 p.m. It's going to be not in this building, but across the street over in downtown Civic Center in the Alico Room. Make your reservation on our website, fumcgaston.org, slash over, under, around, and through. Not so, the workshop's free. We just need to know how many people are going to be there because we're going to give out material and we're also going to have food. Where two or three are gathered in my name, we will eat. That's kind of our our thing. Y'all, that was a little bit funny. Come on now. So please register for that. On February 12th, we're going to have one combined service at 10 o'clock, okay? Uh, I'm going to say that again because I don't want you to show up at 11 and everybody be going home. You'd be like, oh, nobody told us. I'm telling you, everybody with me? 10 o'clock, one combined service. It's going to be a special service. The theme for the service is the love connection. And I know that sounds like the newest reality show on uh, Netflix or something, but it's not. It's the theme, of course, around Valentine's Day. Reverend Keith Elder is going to be here. He's a great preacher and storyteller. He's equally great at singing and songwriting. He's going to be here, and you're going to love it. So come, 10 o'clock, one service, February 12th. And then the final thing is our January and February mission focus is going to be on tornado buckets. If you want to know what goes in a tornado bucket so you can help fill out our red tubs uh, and put items in there, you can see the list. There's a list, both interests, and there's also a list on our website, fumcgatson.org. Let's prepare our hearts now for worship.
faith together with the Apostles Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead and buried the third day he rose from the dead he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the I want to thank you for your generosity in supporting the ministries of this church 
we could not do what we do in this community for the name of Christ and his kingdom without your help. So thank you so much for supporting your church. You can give online by going to our website, fumcgaston.org. You can give by text to give. You can set up regularly scheduled giving, all kinds of different ways. And, or you can give the old-fashioned way when the offering plate comes by. But we appreciate your generosity, and it's a spiritual, it's a spiritual matter and not just a financial matter. Will you join me as we, as we go to the Lord in prayer? Oh, Lord, we pray your blessings on the gift and the giver today. You have given us every good and perfect thing. And now, in addition to our, our very beings, we give our tithes and offerings to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, I want you to raise your hand if you have at least one thing that you're thankful for this morning. Okay, yes. Because when we come to our time of prayer, we give thanks for our blessings, don't we? We have the joy of knowing that God answers our prayers. Okay, now raise your hand if you have at least one thing that's on your heart that you would like to ask for God, a prayer request today. We, we do. If you'd like to see our list, go to our, our, um, our church newsletter or bulletin. We, we have list ongoing concerns and immediate concerns. And of course, we carry concerns with us everywhere we go. And we all need uh, God. It's, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, as the old song says. Will you join me as we go to the Lord this morning? Gracious God, we are thankful and we worship you with everything that we have today. And we also know that as we bow before you today, we have our own needs. We, we need your forgiveness, Lord. We need your mercy and your grace. And God, we also need to be channels of, channels of your mercy and grace. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes it's a lot to ask for us to forgive, Lord. And, and sometimes, Lord, we just need your strength to just carry us through. So, God, wherever we are, whatever our point of need, we come to you. And we come to you bringing concerns on our hearts for our neighbors, our friends, our family that are struggling right now. We, not just our neighbors, but we're concerned about the world in which we live about our, our community and about our state, our nation, and about people, Lord, who are struggling in all parts of the world, sometimes in ways that are unimaginable to us. We pray, Lord, for those who are, are struggling just to have some hope. And God, we pray that your kingdom would come and that it would come and work through us, that we would be kingdom people. Teach us to pray, Lord, the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Miss Barbara is going to take our kids to Children's Church today. If you'll go down here and join her to your right and to my left, Miss Barbara's going to take you, and y'all are going to have fun in Children's Church. I just know it. And the rest of us are going to enjoy singing our hymn of preparation, which is Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, number 133. Will you stand as you're able?
okay, we can go home now. No, just kidding. No, nobody leave the building. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, by the way, uh, little useless trivia, Greatest Thou Faithfulness is Pastor Sam's favorite hymn, so I was in hog heaven just now. I appreciate that's beautifully done. always is. Today we start a, a new two-part sermon series called The Best Sermon Ever. Not the best sermon ever because Pastor Sam is preaching. The best sermon ever because Jesus preached it on the mountain, his Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to start off today by talking about an attitude adjustment, a be attitude adjustment, in fact. You can follow along as we look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. About this time of the year, uh, sometimes we see not a rainstorm come through like we're going to have today, but an ice storm. And I'm not talking about snow. I'm talking about that old frozen rain kind of stuff. I remember one such storm when I was 16 years old. I know, that's a long time ago, but I was 16 years old, and this rainstorm came through. And it was the kind of thing that, you know, it gets on the limbs and causes the limbs to snap and hit the power lines. And oh, that kind of messy stuff we have occasionally come through Alabama. And I was, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was at my girlfriend's house, and this storm was coming through, and I got a phone call from my dad. And this was a long time before cell phones came out. In fact, you had two options to communicate. You had the, the row, usually rotary dial telephone on the kitchen wall or a CB radio. I had both. So I was really something. But my dad called the landline at my girlfriend's house. And I went, picked up the phone. He said, hey, look, it's starting to sleet and rain. And so you need to just go ahead and come home. In my 16-year-old brain, I was thinking, hmm, snowed in at my girlfriend's house. That's what I was thinking. And, and what came out of my mouth was something that sounded kind of sassy that said, hey, you know, I'm a really good driver. And I've been out, and so I know what the roads are like, and you haven't been out because you're at home. And I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know if my 16-year-old hormones overrode my brain, but that was not the kind of thing to say to my dad. And dad did not argue with me. I wish that he had argued with me. I wish he had. Instead, it was click. And I thought, I have done it now. I have really messed up now. So I went back in and said goodbye to my girlfriend and to her family. And I got in the car and I started heading home. And on the way home, I started to rethink my whole position. Well, one is that the roads really were getting bad. And so, you know, I didn't in fact know everything. Another thing was, I really started just kind of replaying in my mind my tone with my dad. And I knew that it wasn't right. I needed to adjust my attitude bad. And so when I got home, the first thing I did was I went straight to my dad and I did the first word of John the Baptist's first sermon, the first word of Jesus' first sermon. I repented. 
I did. I repented because you know what repentance means? It literally means to change your mind, to change your heart, and to change your actions. After thinking about it, I see that I need to change my attitude. Repentance is really an attitude adjustment if you get right down to it. And so what does that look like? What does a changed mind and changed heart and changed direction look like in practical living? And that's what the Beatitudes are. Jesus starts the best sermon ever by giving a Beatitude adjustment. He tells us to adjust our attitudes in four different areas in the Beatitudes. One is adjusting the way we think about ourselves. And that's what he's getting at when he says in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What in the world does it mean to be poor in spirit? Does it mean that I'm just like, well, let's, let's say what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that I just have no backbone. I'm everybody's doormat and people just walk all over me and, oh, poor me. Not like that. It especially doesn't mean that I have some kind of false humility that I gush out to everybody in order to fish for compliments. It doesn't mean any of that. Poor in spirit is kind of just the opposite of self-praising and self-aggrandizing and boasting. Poor in spirit means we know ourselves and we accept ourselves and then we are ourselves before God. You know the old hymn, Just As I Am? Yeah, we used to sing all 50 verses of it when I was a kid at the end of the service. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm just like, please, I'll come to the altar if you just stop. <laughs> but there's so much truth in that. We are ourselves before God, and then we are ourselves for God. I want to say that again. We know ourselves. We accept ourselves just as we are. We come before God as ourselves and then we are ourselves for God which is right usefulness knowing ourselves knowing ourselves requires sober judgment sober I'm using the word sober on purpose in church of all places I'm using the word sober on purpose because Paul in Romans 12 3 says this for by the grace given me I say to everyone not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Sober, it means exactly what you think it means. Okay, so let me ask. This is moment of truth. This is being truthful to, your, to, to us in front of God and everybody. Have any of y'all ever been around someone who was not sober? Let's just put it that way. Smile and nod your head. If you've been around somebody who's not sober, don't look at anybody in this room, but tis, all right. So when Paul says, think of yourself as sober judgment, he means don't think of yourself like that drunk guy who thinks he can beat up everybody in the bar and go home with every woman in the bar, right? Don't think so highly of yourself. Also, don't think too low of yourself. Don't be like the drunk guy who's in that same bar who's crying in his beer thinking he's lower than a snake's belly. See yourself soberly with clear eyes under the influence of nothing, not your own swag and not, oh, woe is me. See with clear, sober eyes, accepting that you are a flawed and frail child of God, but a child of God nevertheless, and being ourselves before God and then being ourselves for God, sober. Not too high, not too low. Think medium. We also need to adjust our attitude toward our own sins. That's what verses 4 through 6 are like. So I don't know if you've ever thought of the Beatitudes as an attitude adjustment about our own sins. Now, I'm not talking about you adjusting your attitude about somebody else's sins. I'm talking about our own sins. Blessed are those who mourn is not about somebody just being really sad. It's about mourning our own sins. It, it's about not covering up our sins. That never works. It's about feeling the appropriate amount of remorse for our sins. When we sin against God and we sin against our neighbor, we need to feel the weight of that. And that causes us to mourn. 
feeling that weight, calling it what it is, not saying, whoops, well, I made a mistake. I'm only human. You know, has anybody ever offered you an apology that wasn't really an apology? Like, uh, oh, well, I'm sorry you took that the way you did or something like that, you know? They did not feel the weight of the hurt that they caused you. And I'm talking about feeling the weight. That's what it means to mourn, to feel the weight, not to get stuck there because the second part of that is Jesus said, blessed are them. Why are they blessed? Because they're going to be comforted. But we feel the weight of it before we let it go. And then blessed are the meek. This is not just meek, like timid. This is meekness over our sins. Meekness over our sins. Not arrogance. I mean, not milk toast, but humbling ourselves before God, realizing that it's not the other person's problem. It's just that oh, I have a sin problem. I do. We do. And then blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. When we know our sins and we mourn them, and when we are meek and we humble ourselves before God, which is the only posture we can take, and then we turn around and we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Remember last week I said righteousness means right usefulness and right relatedness. When we hunger and thirst to do better, to be more rightly useful for God, more rightly related with God, then we will be filled. This is the great news of the Beatitudes is that when we adjust our attitudes, all who seek after God in this way, all who thung, hunger and thirst to do better will find him, will find him. And speaking of God, we need to adjust our attitudes toward God. Verses 7 through 9 tell us our attitude toward God. You say, well, how can I tell what my attitude toward God is? Our attitude toward God is closely related to our attitude toward our neighbor. Because I can't say that I love God and hate my neighbor in the same breath. It just doesn't work like that. It's, it's a, a virtuous cycle, not a vicious cycle, a virtuous cycle. Because here's how it works. We receive mercy from God when we trust Christ. Ephesians 2 forces that God is rich in mercy and out of his great love, he gives mercy to us. We need to receive that. And then, and then having received mercy, we share mercy. Blessed are the merciful. We give mercy, we share mercy because we're grateful that we've received mercy. It, it goes around, it comes around and it goes around. We do that by showing forgiveness and kindness and compassion toward each other. Why do we do that? Well, because we've received that. And why do I give mercy? I give mercy because I've received it and I want to receive it again. I want it to keep coming around and going around. Blessed are the merciful. They will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, verse 8 says. They will see God. Pure in heart was, what, did anybody else have to memorize the Beatitudes when they were in vacation Bible school or something? We had that. And we got to the pure in heart. I really struggled with that because I thought, man, I don't guess I'm ever going to be blessed then because I know what I'm thinking about, you know. Uh, so I don't guess I'll ever get to see God because I'm not pure in heart. But I thought, okay, it doesn't work like that. We don't clean ourselves up and then get to see God. We come to God mournfully, meekly, humbly, and then God creates in us a clean heart, you see. God gives us a new heart. And then peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers. You say, well, Pastor Sam, how is that about my attitude toward God? Well, again, it's the circular virtuous cycle thing. Romans 5.1 says when we come to God, we're justified by faith and we get peace with God. It's like mercy. We, we become a channel of mercy because we've received money. We become a channel of God's peace because we've received God's peace. And peace, I cannot tell you how important it is. Peace is found in all 27 books of the New Testament. Did you know that? All 27 books. When Jesus was born, he was born as a fulfillment 
of the promise for the prince of peace to come. And when Jesus taught, he taught peace, peace, blessed are the peacemakers. And then when Jesus was finishing up his earthly ministry, here's what he promised his disciples. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. So the beginning, the middle, and the end of Jesus' earthly ministry was all about peace, being a peacemaker. To move toward Christ, to become Christ-like, is to become a peacemaker. And that leads me to the last thing, our beatitude adjustment, and that's our adjustment of our attitude toward the world. Now, by the world, I don't mean the cosmos and all people in the world. For God so loved the world, not that. I mean the worldly system in which we live that is hostile toward God and against the, the godly values that we are supposed to reflect. And whether we realize it or not, and whether we even like it or not, following after Jesus puts us at odds with that worldly system. We are supposed to go against the grain when it comes to the world. And when we are in conflict, when we go against that grain, when we have a different attitude, when we have a different outlook, sometimes in the pursuit of our right usefulness, in the pursuit of our right relatedness, we're going to receive flack. We're going to receive even persecution. Has anybody ever gotten kicked for doing something good? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because the worldly system recognizes different values as being important. The worldly system values pride and loftiness. And Jesus said he values humility. The worldly system is going to say, nice guys finish when? Last, right? The worldly system is going to say, look out for number one. Yeah. The worldly system says, make war, don't make peace. And we all know that. So we are different. We, we have a different attitude toward the world. And it puts us in a position sometimes when, when we catch some heat for that. Now, there are different reasons why we might catch flack. And not all of it has to do with following after righteousness. Sometimes we suffer just because of the human condition and because some people are just mean. And they're going to be mean. And you're going to get some of that. And sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes we suffer because of our own dumb decisions and disobedience. And we can't blame anybody but ourselves for that. But here's the caveat that Jesus puts in here. When you suffer for the sake of righteousness, blessed are you. When you suffer for the sake of righteousness, in fact, he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Even if you are martyred for the sake of righteousness, yours is the kingdom of heaven. That sounds great. Not so great. Nobody wants to sign up for persecution, but sign me up for the kingdom of heaven. For those who pursue right usefulness and right relatedness. An attitude adjustment is really what the Beatitudes are about. What does it look like in your life, in my life? If we've adjusted our attitude, well, it looks like somebody who's coming to look more like Jesus and less like the world. It's the lifelong process of spiritual formation. I want to close with the best definition I've ever heard about spiritual formation. It comes from Dr. Robert Mulholland, and he says this, spiritual formation is the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. Those three key elements. One is this, the process, because does it take a while? Maybe a lifelong process of changing your attitude sometimes? 
Because sometimes you change your attitude, it doesn't stay changed. It reverts back. It's a lifelong process. And then of being formed into the image of Christ, Philippians 2, Paul writes this, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. It doesn't happen overnight. But as we are formed into the image of Christ, then we do that and it's for the sake of the world. It's not so that we can be super spiritual and be called saints. But here's what happens. The heart that is changed because of a changed mind that results in a changed way of life changes the world. One life at a time. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come before you just freely admitting that sometimes we have an attitude problem toward ourselves. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think or sometimes we think more lowly of ourselves than we ought to think. But with sober judgment, Lord, help us to change our attitude about ourselves, our attitude about our sins, our attitudes about you and about the world so that we can be shaped into the image of Christ for the sake of the world so that we might be changed and we might help this world look a little bit more like heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn today is number 467, Trust and Obey. We stand together and you are invited as always to come and pray at the altar if you, if you want to. Um, I'll pray with you. You can pray with yourself. You can grab the hand of your neighbor and bring them with you to pray. Um, let's sing together. 467.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. For